1: The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. One of the other production interviews that's running across the weekend is with Dr. Louise Kenny, uh, who was Professor of obstetrics and Gynecology at CUH up to 2017. Uh, Louise was diagnosed with breast cancer then in the summer of 2021. She had radiotherapy, chemo, surgery, uh, she's back at work now, which is fantastic, and it's all going really well for her. But the treatment she had was at CUH, and very often, because of her the amount of time she spent there, she was being treated by her former colleagues. Now, the interview is running as part of our regular Radiothon interviews, but here's the full version uh, of my conversation with Professor Louise Kenny. Louise, you were diagnosed in the summer of of last year. How did it come about? Were you feeling unwell? Did you just have a routine check-up? What?
0: No, I found a lump. Um, and um, I was very bad at self-checking my breasts, even though I'm a doctor and I should have been doing it far more frequently than I was. Um, but I just found a lump. Um, given my age, I didn't think it was too much to worry about. Um, but I made an appointment to see a colleague and it all started from there. Um so I think if it's taught me anything that has taught me the importance of of self checking and it's something that you know as a doctor, I knew but I was really bad at doing so one of my big pushes now is telling all my colleagues and all my friends um you know it's really important that they self check
1: How was treatment was it difficult i know you you lost your hair i mean for a woman that's a that's a big thing
0: yeah so um Again, because I'm a doctor, I, I had a good idea of what was ahead. Um, so I had surgery followed by adjuvant chemotherapy, and then finally radiotherapy. And I finished all of that lot, as it were, about four weeks ago. Uh, and yeah, my hair's just started to grow back. Um, I think I mean, losing my hair in the scheme of things, it wasn't um, it wasn't something that bothered me overly. Um, because I, I kind of knew it was going to happen and I knew I could wear it. It was also winter. So I knew I could wear a lot of hats and get <laughs> away with it. Um, I think the hardest thing for me was really thinking about telling my kids um, the the impact it would have on on my family and trying to lessen all of that for everyone else mm. at the same time as actually going through the treatment and trying to deal with it myself.
1: You have two children. It was a frightening time for them, I expect.
0: Well, they're, they're, they're I'm fortunate in that they are older; they're they're grown up really, and one of them is a one of them is a junior doctor himself. So, um, but I don't think it matters what age they are, and mother's instinct is always to protect her kids from bad news and from anything that might be at all upsetting. And it's hard as a mother, um, a not being able to protect them, but also being the cause of it. That's, yeah. that's really quite challenging. And that was something that um, I think I'd underestimated. I, I found that one of the hardest things to deal with.
1: There was something very nice they did for you.
0: So one of my, one of my kids lives in the States. And when I was diagnosed, um, he immediately came home, which was, which was you know, fortunate because with COVID, he hadn't been able to travel as frequently as he had um, in the past. But when I was diagnosed, he, he came home. And uh, he, he's recently married and my son and my lovely daughter-in-law made a a big box and they filled it with an envelope um, for every day of my active treatment. There were like literally, you know, dozens and dozens of envelopes in the box and I was to open an envelope on bad days. And, they were filled with photographs of, you know, of happy times in the past and um, stickers, little excerpts of poetry, badges. And um, there were some little gifts in the box as well um, from places that they visited, you know, tiny things that meant a lot like funny fridge magnets and mm-hmm. things. And it was amazing because it was like a silver strand between me and them. Um, especially during the winter when they couldn't visit because of you know travel restrictions again and um, and when I was going through the worst of the chemotherapy. On really bad days, I had those envelopes and it became a real focus of something to look forward to. It really did keep me going and it was a lovely, lovely idea.
1: And were there many bad days? I mean, it does get tough, we're told.
0: Yeah, I mean, I won't, I won't, I won't lie. Uh, I found the second lot of chemotherapy uh, after Christmas quite hard. Uh, and again, as a medic, I... I knew it would be, a, 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 as a junior doctor, I'd actually administered similar chemo regimes to to patients um, when I was a, a junior doctor myself. So I, I kind of had seen it through the prism of being a doctor. So I knew what to expect, but I don't think anything really prepares you for the fatigue um, and just the general sense of malaise. So I, I did find that quite tough. Um, but happily, um, you know, all things come to an end. It didn't, you know, it only lasted for that particular cycle of chemotherapy only lasted for four months. And I was really glad to see the back of it.
1: A lot of your treatment, um, because you divide your time between the UK and, and Cork, a lot of your treatment was by former colleagues. You obviously had the highest respect for them anyway, but it's gone up a notch, I suspect.
0: Oh, it absolutely has. Um, when I, was, I, I spent lockdown um, working from home in Ireland, um, and I was in Ireland when I was diagnosed. Um, but actually I would rather have been, you know, I wouldn't have rather been anywhere else. I wanted to be treated at, at home in Cork and by colleagues that I know and have a huge amount of respect for. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, I thought then, and I still think now it's much harder on, on my colleagues than it is on me. I think it's always, it's a huge privilege being asked to look after a colleague. Um, we always count it as a, you know, a mark of, of respect and a huge privilege. But it's something that, if you're honest, you'd rather pass on. <laughs> because with, with that um, with that ask comes, you know, huge challenges. And I, I know that they felt the weight of that responsibility. Yeah. Um, but I have to say, I felt so well taken care of from start to finish. And I was acutely aware of all the pressures they were operating under, you know, still coming out of the pandemic. In fact, when I was diagnosed, we were still in the middle of the pandemic. All the pressures that put on them... Um, I, you know, I could see it, and yet I could also see that it never, for one minute, interfered uh, in any way, shape, or form with the quality of the care that they offered—not just to me, mm. um, but when you're in, you know, when you're in a on, on the cancer pathway, you get to know your fellow patients very, very well. And I, I could see that, you know, the care that they extended to everyone was was the same, and it was outstanding mm. uh, in terms of the quality.
1: It was no surprise, given what you do for a living, that you are a huge advocate of research. But from what we said earlier on, you're also a huge advocate of self-checking now.
0: Absolutely. I, I When I broke the news to um, my my team in work, um, I I said in my email, I sent an email out to a very large team, I sent an email saying, looking at, been diagnosed with breast cancer, but um, I want you to take huge encouragement from what I genuinely, genuinely believe is, um, you know, a, a hard cold fact. There is no better time in history to be diagnosed with cancer than right now. Um, the only better time is tomorrow because there'll be further scientific advances. The, the pace of scientific advance in in medicine at the moment is is astonishing. Um, and I took huge comfort from the fact that I was going to receive, you know, the very best care that was informed by, you know, recent decades of outstanding high quality research. And it, and it has the, the the prognosis for patients like me has been transformed in the last decade. Um, and many people now. Uh, with my diagnosis go on and have you know it, cancer is cure, is curable mm. in in far more cases than it was even just a decade ago so i took huge huge uh, comfort from that and it's something that i firmly believe and as i say that the the second part of that is that we all have a part to play in that process the earlier cancer is diagnosed the better a chance for cure and that's where self-checking um comes in at you know check Obviously, check breasts, check testicles. We need to remove the stigma around cancer so that people are able to talk about lumps and bumps and, and other issues much more openly than I think some, some people still do. Um, because that ability to talk, that ability to check and the ability to self refer if you're not happy about something is critical in catching yeah. cancer early. You're we back- have screening programs for a huge amount of cancer um, and engagement in those screening programs is important, but still the best screen is yourself. If you think that something's up, don't, don't ignore it. Don't pretend it's not there. Don't hope that it just goes away by itself. See a doctor.
1: And treatment has gone well. You're, you're back at work, I believe.
0: I am. Yeah, I'm back at work. So I finished radiotherapy um, a couple of weeks ago and I'm, I've been back at work part time for the last uh, 10 days. I'm Brilliant. going back full time uh, next month. I work in, although I'm a doctor, I work in the university sector and this is an important time of the year. Um, so I was keen to get back um, before the end of this academic year. Um, and it's it's been just wonderful being back. Um, it's you know, it's it's such a privilege to be on the other side of this treatment feeling as well as I do.
1: For people who are listening, Louise, and maybe deciding to donate to the Cork's 96 of them Giving for Living Radiothon, would you give them a reason why they might do so?
0: Well, one in two of us will get cancer in our lifetime. Um, And only a few years ago, uh, the prognosis for patients like me was was very gloomy because of um, research um, that uh, these charitable donations fund. The prognosis has been turned around. Um, we're making new discoveries, um, developing new drugs, new treatments, um, many of which are curative on an almost daily basis. And Cork is at the forefront of those clinical trials. So every cent, every euro that's given will be turned into something magical. Um, and, and that magical is you know getting us closer and closer to a cure.
1: Cork's 96FM.